Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackefman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers in addition to a suite of products designed to help ED organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Today, we have a special guest, the CEO of the Detroit Regional Partnership, Barry Matherly. Hi, Bruce. Yeah, very exciting. We have Barry on the line. Uh, We're going to really start to focus more so on building organizational structures. Uh, Everyone is pretty familiar with Barry in the the economic development world. And uh, one of the main questions or stories we want to kind of dive into is is how he built over the past year at the DRP uh, to what we seems to have going to have a very successful first year. So we're going to take a look into that and uh, also just, you know, some snippets of how he kind of rose to the top, if you will, um, you know, from uh, just jumping into economic development after school uh, and then going from senior VP to CEO. So it should be really interesting. Um, It's a topic I think that applies to a lot of communities. Uh, We know we uh, ourselves, we we interact with a lot of EDOs that wear a lot of hats and work for small organizations and, and kind of have to build the strategy from within uh, internally in terms to to structure and, you know, have investment attraction. I would ask that it perhaps it relates to you, Bruce. You know, you started uh, Research FDI, the, the company that, that we work for, obviously. You started it 10 years ago. And, and what was that kind of like, you know, starting with, with two people uh, to where it is today? Well, I'd slightly more hair. Just a little bit more. Um, no, it was, you know, it's truly, um, uh, it's amazing what Barry has been able to accomplish in one year. In our, in our circumstance, really, it took time to really build the culture. We changed offices four times. It took us a while to mix and match the right personnel. And it took us really to year six or seven. So we really felt that we were a well-oiled machine, kind of like where Barry is today with his amazing team. So it's truly a process to really build a culture to get people that kind of believe in the same mission as you do who bring the talent you need, different languages, uh, different strengths, different different skill sets to really create the team that we have. And I think hiring you has maybe been one of my best moves. Well, I feel uh, that maybe you feel a little bit pressure to say that because I'm on the line with you, but I'll take the compliment. <laughs> so thank you. It definitely sounds like it's a labor of love, uh, obviously being an entrepreneur or having anything from sort of that grassroots level and, and building it out. You know, just uh, in my own personal side, uh, I founded a, a non-for-profit called Democratus here in Montreal. And uh, we really seek to, you know, uh, work with marginalized communities and promote civic engagement. And, and we'll do that through through workshops, depending on, on the level uh, of knowledge of the groups that we're working with. And, uh, you know, it took us two years to even really do our first workshop. You know, the, the first time we sat down, we basically wanted uh, 15 volunteers and, and, and everything uh, done within three months. And it, it took about two years to really find the right team. You know, we started with five board members. Uh, we ended up with two. We just added another one. 
You really have to find, like you said, a culture where people mesh, uh, where you know who has what talent so that you can all kind of, you know, utilize that talent. And, uh, you know, we were really fortunate recently that we were able to uh, get a, a grant from the federal government and work in tandem with the BCRC, which is the uh, Black Community Resource Center. And essentially what we're doing is uh, we're offering workshops to um, you know, young people that wanted to go into their communities and, and teach the youth about civics. So like, like you said, it's labor love. It's really about relationships, about how people work well together. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to hear from Barry, who's obviously done this on, on such a high level and, and see any kind of tidbits that he might have for us and for the listeners. You know, two years, you know, two years ago, we, I also had a good opportunity of creating a nonprofit called the Abada program, which was built for, adults with special needs to give them skills so they get into the workforce. So uh, this camp, it's actually a camp that takes place in the Laurentians of Quebec so that they kind of come together in July and get together and learn these skills. Uh, We also came with, came with the important task at the beginning of finding a CEO director. We decided to go out to the best person we could find. And we hired a gentleman by the name of Matthew Sullivan. It's kind of like what the Detroit regional partnership did with Barry. We're going to go ahead and try to find the best talent on the market, no matter what. And they asked and they got him. So, I look forward to having him on the show and asking him all sorts of questions about building up the DRP. Absolutely. So without further ado, I think it's time to dial in and, and get uh, Barry on the line. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Detroit. Barry, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, good. Glad to be here. How are things in the D? Things are going well. We just uh, had our... Uh, First day yesterday of opening bars and restaurants, so uh, people uh, out giving a social try now. Did you enjoy a nice happy hour? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wish I could be joining you, my friend. So uh, at the beginning, beginning of the pandemic, Barry, you had an amazing quarantine beard. If anyone that follows Barry on social media would see it, you kind of looked like an 18th century medieval king. Uh, too bad you had to let, let that go eventually. Yeah, that was my better days of head beard. Um, so I've uh, I've always wanted to try that, and uh, I did enjoy it for a couple months there. Um, but I had to had to turn the corner, uh, go back to the uh, shaving uh, part of it. Um, but it was fun, you know. Everybody during this time has uh, experienced new things, and uh, so that was a fun try. If- well, it was certainly majestic. <laughs> if you're wondering why Bruce didn't have any video on when you came in, it's because he just told me he tried to get uh, his barber to to come with a social distancing setup to do his hair, but the he no dice. Uh, he has to wait uh, until they open up with plexiglass. Is it the that they're going to do now? I mean, that's going to be. I mean, this whole thing has been pretty sci-fi, but I think plexiglass at the salon is going to be it's going to be a, a new one. It's interesting. So I uh, my wife actually cut my hair this weekend. Because my first appointment is the 29th of June, so I can't wait. Ah, <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, I I really want to thank you again for joining us today. And uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, what the theme is of this podcast of talking to you. We know that you get interviewed a lot. That you know you're in high demand to be in a panelist because you have a really storied career in economic development. And we really kind of want to focus on building organizational structures. How someone you know such as you being in high levels uh, of organizations, how you've kind of grown or followed that path to CEO, um, then you know actually built out companies from from the get. 
So what we really wanted to start with is, you know, when, when Barry was a boy in school, what initially drew you to economic development? Was it an industry that you were familiar with? I mean, I think a theme we hear with a lot of people is they didn't really quite know what that industry was until it, it sort of came to them. So we'd love to kind of hear what your um, introduction to economic development was. Sure. Um, no, I did not know anything about economic development. I actually started as a volunteer. Um, so I was uh, working for a um, large company, Fortune 500 company, kind of going up the ranks. And I heard about a group doing suburban revitalization near where I was living. And back, you know, late 80s, early 90s, that was groundbreaking to think of suburban revitalization. But they realized that when a lot of these big malls went in, the older shopping centers were getting kind of hurt with business. So they were looking at the economics of that. So I joined that group as a volunteer and uh, learned a lot. And one day I woke up and I realized I loved my volunteer work and my uh, paid job was not as exciting. Um, so I decided to switch careers. And a lot of the people I was working with then were planners who are also economic developers. So I decided to go back and get a planning degree um, with a concentration in economic development. Very interesting. And if correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think that, you know, your early days working in the economic deal field uh, were in communities such as Virginia and North Carolina. Can you kind of mm -hmm. speak to that experience as before you ended up on the, the executive team of what, uh, you know, you learned on that road to, to rise like that? Sure. Um, so coming out of grad school, I actually was looking at some job offers from some bigger economic development groups where I'd have a very defined role um, or some really small ones, you know, where it's only a couple people. Um, and one of my professors said, do the small one. You'll get to learn everything. Interesting. My first job was actually starting a little two person economic development group uh, in Virginia. And, you know, you did everything. I did tourism, I did recruiting, did microloans, small business, ran a Main Street program. Um, and I continued that for several years over jobs. But it was amazing because you got to just see the, the entire breadth and all the options there are in economic development. And I got to learn a little about everything before really kind of focusing in on, on kind of what I mostly do now, which is the marketing and kind of recruiting aspect. Perfect. So you got to wear a lot of hats early on. So understanding what sort of all the pieces of the pie look like. And then from that, I, I mean, it seems like you quickly ascended to senior vice president for the Greater Richmond Partnership. And within that tenure, you, you uh, were um, came to be the CEO. Can you kind of talk about, you know, that path from senior VP to, to kind of running the show? Sure. Absolutely. It was planned from the beginning. Um, they had um, two, uh, the CEO and the senior vice president uh, before me had both been there 20 some years, had a great career, both retiring within a couple years of each other. And so the board very smartly uh, wanted to have kind of a succession plan. And the plan was, is kind of whoever they hired as the senior vice president, the well, not guaranteed, but the thought would be that that person would go on and become the CEO a couple of years later. Um, and I think that's a really good thing because a lot of um, economic development groups don't have succession plans. Um, and it can really hurt if, if there's not a smooth transition. And so I was brought in under that understanding and it worked out that way. 
Um, and it was good because I get to spend a couple years kind of learning, uh, seeing everything, kind of knowing that's the way it was going, um, and then stepping right into it. Would you be able to share if there are any kind of key wins or achievements that GRP did for the community during your tenure there? Any maybe perhaps funny anecdotes that come to mind? I don't know. You know, they're they're all your favorite children. I mean, <laughs> the big ones are nice, but sometimes the smaller ones are more personal or you feel like you really, you know, made a bigger difference. Um, I think the one in Richmond I, I thought was very interesting is we did the CoStar project. And CoStar is um, a group that a lot of economic developers deal with on the, the property database side of the house. Uh, they needed a new research headquarters, about 700 people. It's well over 1,000 now. But um, working with someone that is a vendor of yours who knows more about the real estate market than you even do about your own community, knows a lot about your community, too, and every other community they were looking at. Um, so someone that you really, um, you know, they come to the table fully aware of everything and a very interesting project. And also the great thing about that one was when it was done, getting to know them and getting to see both sides, to see their capability, how they look at things from the CoStar side. Um, and it's been a great relationship and it's really helped me learn that um, they have a lot of other powerful tools that, that we can use, but that was a, that was a fun project. Now, uh, Barry, you're over, over your career, you're heavily involved with the IDC, the international economic development council. Talk about your time on the board and the chair in that organization. It was a great time. Uh, IDC, I love the profession. I think it's giving back to the profession uh, when you get involved in IDC or even on you know, your state, um, associations also very important. Um, IDC was for me because I, once again, um, especially early in my career when I was in smaller economic development groups or, um, you know, really trying to look for new things, it gives you a huge network and it gives you a lot of ideas and a lot of things to try. Um, and the professional development really helps you kind of grow as an economic developer. So, it was to be on the board uh, was um, a real treat. And, you know, I learned so much and to be able to become chair was just even better. Um, so it was a, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Well, obviously this year has been unlike any other, uh, where do you see IDC going in the future? Um, well, I think, you know, IDC is always evolving. Um, it's set up to have this constant flow of chairs and, um, people running committees and new ideas coming in. Uh, and they've been very intentional about the strategic planning and, and how they move people up through committees to the board. So there is always a constant change going on at IDC. Um, this will obviously cause um, them to make some major changes. Kenny McDonald's current chair is a friend of mine. I think he's doing amazing. He's probably had the hardest year ever um, as a chair. Um, but, you know, it is set up to change and it's set up to kind of evolve. And I think it'll just evolve from this. And just like we've done through some other, um, through the Great Recession, uh, some other milestone things we've, we've put out, you know, back uh, during my chair, we put out the first paper on um, inclusion and equity. Um, and that was only in 2016. And then now you see, you know, since then, how many topics we've covered and, and how many 
presentations on that subject there are, and you see how relevant that is now in 2020. Um, but the good thing is other people laid the groundwork for that. It's part of the profession now, and so we can build off of it. We've got, thankfully, four years, obviously late to the table even four years ago, but um, at least a foundation to build off um, with some of the, the current topics that you hear and, and a lot of the needs. The big news back in January 2019 was obviously you um, announcing your departure from the Greater Richmond Partnership and signing on with an unknown entity at the time called the Detroit Regional Partnership, which which was essentially a startup economic development organization. What factors went through your mind as you evaluated that offer versus your position with the GRP? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, those offers um, usually start with someone calling you and asking if you're uh, interested. Um, and I really wasn't. I mean, I was very happy in Richmond at the uh, Greater Richmond Partnership, um, and um, but the more I thought about it, the interesting chance here was to create something from scratch um, and at scale. This region's about 5.4 million people, and to have its first, you know, standalone true regional EDO um, was just just amazing to think about that opportunity and on such a scale. And quite frankly, I spent most of my career um, in Maryland, D.C., Virginia, North Carolina. So getting a chance to go out to the Midwest and experience a new part of the country and a new way of doing economic development was also enticing. And so um, it, it just all seemed to fall together, and it's, it's been amazing. I've enjoyed being here. Excellent. So talk about the process of building the Detroit Regional Partnership uh, kind of from scratch to where it is today. Sure. It was, it was a really well thought out plan. We had, we actually um, had spent some time before I got here thinking about how we would start it up. We didn't want to rush into building something um, without knowing a lot of data and a lot of research. So we gave ourselves kind of six months to create the organization and then six months to ramp up the organization. And so that first year was was very intentional. Um, when I started, we had, you know, we didn't have a name or a website. We didn't have health insurance. I was on Cobra Health for my old employer for six months. Um, so we were really spending a lot of time on what the strategy would be and what our clusters would be. And a lot of that kind of deep research, we wanted to really make sure that everything we did was grounded in some real data. Um, and at the same time, we wanted to make sure that when we brought on staff that they fit our strategy, that we just didn't hire people and then hope the strategy worked out. So what we did is right off the bat, we knew we weren't going to have a strategy for a while. So we created five guiding principles that really kind of still speak to the organization and kind of frame everything we did. And then we built a strategic plan on top of that, hired up staff, really got it rolling. And then this year, even despite COVID, and I'm hearing this from a lot of other economic developers, still doing deals every month. Um, and so we think from a, our goal metric standpoint, we'll have a good year this year. And it's going to be amazing to see what happens in the, the latter half of this year. But we're, we're expecting a very good year um, from new jobs and investment here in this region. But it was, once again, very thoughtful, intentional. We didn't have to come out day one and, and you know, have all the answers. 
Um, and we were still, you know, working some projects um, during that time. And everybody kind of knew we were, uh, you know, kind of building it as we flew the plane and really allowed us to make some corrections too. But it's it's been a great experience. Nice. Uh, did you hire mostly local talent or were, were you able to recruit uh, talent and, ED, and economic development professionals from around the country? So we did a little of everything. Um, something we realized early on is if we weren't going to be able to hire up a lot of staff early on, uh, I was still going to need some support. So a lot of the private companies actually lent me executives on loan. So a lot of my starting staff were high-level execs from um, large companies here in the region who let me execs anywhere from six months to two years um, that were just here to help and, and get the organization going. So that's kind of the first wave of people that came in and, and really helped get it going. Um, then we were quickly able to find a lot of local people here in Michigan, in the region, um, in a lot of the research, marketing, or business development operations um, to ramp up. But we did have uh, some needs where we did go out and bring people from uh, other states um, and to be a part of the team. So the team is a, a blended team and um, mostly Michigan, um, some from other places. And, and I, honestly, now that I think about it, most of the, Mich uh, the people who came from other states um, were had some connection to Michigan. Either they grew up here or they were here at some point. So a lot of them, it was kind of a homecoming coming back to Michigan, which was makes it even nicer. Um, and but we also had these kind of execs on loan blended in uh, throughout the way that were, you know, kind of really helping out and then, uh, you know, kind of going back to their regular jobs. So we appreciate that work too. But I mentioned that because I think the exec on loan was a, a lifesaver to be able to give yourself some time to build a strategy. So final question for you today, um, for other CEO level talent who are considering making a change like you did going from Richmond to Detroit, what key factors should they look at while considering such a move? I think the biggest one is support. And that's really what um, we had to make sure was, was going to work in Detroit before I came here and, and in any job I would take is that, you know, you've got to really make sure not only that the financial support is there, but they're willing to give of their time. All the executives and community leaders are willing to give of the time and be a part of it um, and really put the effort into it. Um, because no matter who the CEO or what the team is without the support of your CEOs and government leaders and nonprofit leaders uh, in your community, you know, you're not going to make it make it work on your own or as a, a standalone group. You know, economic development agencies are hubs uh, for the community and you need a lot of partners and a lot of collaboration. So that's the big one is making sure that that support is really there, not that it's a a wish of theirs or something they dream about or something they're willing to put a little time into, but they are absolutely committed um, in all type of resources um, to make the organization successful. So I think that's the biggest one. And the other thing I would just say is, you know, don't be afraid to, to try new things. Um, you know, I think a lot of economic developers get a great reputation in, in a state or somewhere. And then that's great if they want to stay there, but, if they do want to go, um, you know, skills are transferable in our profession and the certification especially kind of um, 
is set up so that those skills can transfer across the country and all kinds of different organizations. So it's been fun trying something new, but you know, if you've got the support and everyone's willing to work together on the mission, then it's going to work out. You just got to find the right path. That is sound advice. Actually, I do have one more question for you, actually. Do you anticipate there to be an IEDC annual conference 2020 in Dallas this year? You know, that's a good question. Um, I I hope there's a conference uh, in Dallas this year. I really miss seeing everybody and and hearing what's going on. And I, I think there's just so many innovative things that were done during this um, COVID. I mean, I've just seen so many new programs and economic developers really stepping up to the forefront, especially at the local and state level. And it's just been amazing, all the work and programs. And one of the the times we all get a chance to kind of slow down and hear all the ideas, see them put together, learn from each other is at the annual conferences. Um, not just the official presentations, but kind of all the side conversations in the hallways and and uh, throughout the convention centers or the hotels. So I'm really hoping because I think there's just so much information to share out there that it would really help if we could really help the profession understand kind of best practices and what people are really doing during this. So uh, I hope it goes through. Uh, I'd love to see everybody there. But uh, once again, I understand if it if it can't happen. All right, Barry, appreciate your time today and uh, all the best on a good rest of the week. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Great talking to both of you. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 